0: Welcome back to another episode of the Skits and Giggles podcast. I am Pascal and I'm joined by my co-host Bryson. How's it going, buddy? That's right, Skigglers. They couldn't stop us. We're back. I'm good, Pascal. How about you? Yeah, not bad. Well, it's obviously been a while since uh, we recorded. So uh, I think the first thing we want to say is um, thank you very much for all the kind messages, comments, comments. Um, that we got after the last episode with Dave Spielmann. Um, I think we also speak in the name of Dave when we say uh, a really big thank you. We were really, really floored by the response and, and the feedback that we got on this one. If you haven't heard it so far, then you can find it in our archives. It's episode 39. Bryson, what did uh, did you get any, any feedback on that or did you have any comments? You know...
1: When we sat down with Dave, I really wanted to just um, get to know him because of all the things I heard him involved with, but it turns out we dove a little bit deeper and uh, really touched me, and I was thinking, you know what, this is going to touch so many people, and uh, there you go, it did. It uh, it was a big success, and this is the, this is the kind of thing that I was driving for right from the very beginning. I mean, I didn't know how to use the tools that we had to create that kind of content, but it was rewarding, so onward and upwards awesome
0: well as you said it's been a while and uh we actually haven't actually talked to each other in a while so what have you been up to buddy yeah
1: uh well since i last saw you i got a little bit sick um been on the road to recovery then i got a little bit sicker and then yeah i'm doing better the voice is a little rough right now as maybe you can feel the mic for the, through the headphones um but yeah it kind of I've been off the bike, of course, because I'm trying to recover, trying to just take it easy. I've been doing like small, small bike rides, just like to town and, you know, but nothing like athletic, no athletic endeavors. Um, but it's also, I, I kind of feel like a bit of in a rut, like, yeah, do I, do I want to continue biking? Is it like a sport for me? I don't know. You know, you kind of had all these depressing thoughts about not being a cyclist anymore, like not enjoying cycling and if. I want to continue and it's it's kind of sucks.
0: Oh, that's terrible. That must be like a finale depression. (laughs) You know what? Maybe
1: probably, I don't think you can get any better than that. And, you know, we're going to dive into that a little bit, uh, a little bit later, but you know, when I, I start when I started biking, I got the bug real hard and I was like shop rat. I was like, always scanning websites, checking out new models, always waiting for, like, the Eurobike pictures and all that stuff. And then um, a few years later, I, I basically just, like, stopped riding. You know, it coincided with a really heavy school workload and, you know, doing that sort of thing. So, you know, it's understandable, but I pretty much, like, stopped. And then when I got a job, I also didn't continue. But um, a few years later, I picked it up again, and I went back at it real hard. And I was, like, found my new passion, new fire for it. Not just for the riding, but for the community. Actually, that was one of the big things that brought me back. Probably the thing that brought me back was just like super cool community I found uh, with North Shore Ride in North Vancouver. Um, and yeah, it just kind of continued on when I when I left and when I came to Switzerland. It was it was the thing. is like that's what kept me going. It was like meeting cool people, shredding, seeing new things, like all this new experience. Um, and so I had a I had a, like a like a hiatus there, and it was let's say the dark age, right? So I hope I'm not falling back into one of these dark ages. And I think, yeah, maybe with your help and the help of some listeners, you know, it's, it's not going to be that way. But um, certain, it's, that, that thought had crossed my mind.
0: Yeah, oh, That's a bar. Well, I hope we, uh, we can get you out of this rut today and hopefully over the next couple of weeks. Um, there's a couple of things you want to talk about um, today. We Obviously, we've been writing. I've been away. Uh, there is another thing that I want to talk about um, today. Um, if you follow us on our socials, you might have seen that um, I have launched a, a fundraiser in support of uh, the Ukraine Relief Foundation, uh, run by my employer, UBS. And uh, I'm actually raffling off one of my bikes. So what that means is you can you can buy tickets. And with each ticket, you get a chance to, to win a bike. And of course, if you buy more tickets, you have... Um, a bigger chance to win my bike, and the goal is to raise as much money as possible um, through the sale of tickets um, to able, be able to donate to the Ukraine relief fund. And uh, yeah, so far, um, you know, very impressed with with how it's going um, today. So that's uh, the ninth of June. Um, there's about five hundred tickets sold. Um, the by the time this will be up on the pipes in the internets um there will be a bit over a week left so if you're interested to support this uh um initiative then uh, you know just head on over to our website and find the link ukraine and there you can find all the details how it everything works and uh you know how you can buy the tickets
1: well pascal i want to ask um just on a serious note i mean it's a crisis um and i know you were Quite affected, but maybe uh, if you don't mind being a little bit more personal, what were the real uh, factors that uh, led you to uh, creating this charity or this
0: this fundraiser effort? Uh, well, through my work, I have um, been involved relatively firsthand just with the financial implications of this crisis. Um, but through the work, I also follow the news flow and um, you know TV pictures and newspaper pictures and all of that sort of stuff pretty closely and i think the the one thing that has always um weighed heavily on me is kind of seeing uh, you know all the families that are being ripped out of their normal life and children that are being um you know torn from their families and um just as a you know father of two myself i see myself um i look at our situation we're both beginning of our 40s we have a career Um, jobs we have kids there in school leading a pretty normal life uh, in the grand scheme of things and from one day to the next you can be uh, torn out of this situation just because of this conflict or any other conflict for that matter but in this particular case obviously because of an aggressive um, opponent and uh, you know wherever you stand in this conflict um, I think you can feel for the families you can feel for the children and that's why uh, I wanted to do something um, with what I can. And I always like, when, when I do something, when I've I've done five years ago, I've done a fundraiser for Well um, Africa, which is obviously a slightly different context. It was also in relation to a bike race um, at the time. And this time I wanted to do also something with a bike. And then obviously um, my participation in Trans Madeira was coming up. And um, then I thought what can I do in the context of that? And then I thought, why don't I just raffle off um, my race bike? And um, the raffle idea, I stole that blatantly from Paul Aston, who's uh, funding his whole uh, independent review business with uh, raffle sales. But uh, it's obviously a a very uh, neat way to and now enable a lot of people to be able to fund a project. Um, you, know, you can get involved from as little as five francs, in my case, um, which means that you know, if I find 2,000 people that buy a ticket for five francs, then I get together 10,000 francs that I can donate. And um, also my employer has committed to double whatever I donate. So if I, for every franc I donate, my employer will donate another franc which i think is is uh, uh and also another, another attractive uh, feature of <laughs> of of my initiative um but yeah so that that is uh, the reasoning uh behind it and uh, i hope uh, i hope uh, that uh those those funds can go to to the cause that i intend to so right now this ukraine relief fund is specifically working um with children programs. So looking after their schooling when they've been taken away from home, uh, working with orphanage uh, institutions on the ground, uh, working with medical aid uh, institutions on the ground. And uh, the main benefit of working with, uh, let's say, an established foundation, um, like the one from UBS, is of course that they do their due diligence in terms of what is the work that these organizations are doing? How much of the money is actually being used? And you can have trust that um, the money that you donate is actually doing what you want to do with it. With it.
1: I commend you on your effort. Big kudos, and I'm very proud to be able to share a platform, uh, that being Skids and Giggles, to allow you to um, to create these efforts. So on a lighter note actually maybe just a brief summary what is the what is the rough spec of your bike and like uh frame size and these things just to catch the attention of someone who might be interested
0: well it's obviously a very if you're a lucky a lucky punter you know you can obviously for five francs you can get yourself um a pretty decent bike um pretty quickly which obviously in the current market is a bit of a challenge (laughs) um so without uh, diving into uh, too many details. So it's a size large frame. Um, it is a Pyga slack line, which is uh, an enduro category frame, I guess. That's what you call it these days. So it's um, designed for 160 millimeters of travel on the rear wheel and 170 millimeters of travel on the front wheel. It is spec'd with a Fox 38 factory uh, fork, it comes with industry nine wheels. It's got a more or less full Shimano XT drivetrain and four piston brakes. It's got an O chain device. It's got pretty bougie Ingrid cranksets on it right now. So, so yeah, and uh, you know our friends from Bike the World, so James Drew, he's um, he's thrown in a couple of things, fresh decals because he's always complaining about my. Marathi decals on the bike. Um, Greg from Biroma Bikes, he's uh, he's agreed to to help out with a couple of things, at the very least with a with a pro level service, so the bike is in tip top shape whenever um, the person takes ownership of the bike. But I guess one important thing to clarify is, of course, you know, just because you're not interested in not interested in the bike doesn't mean you shouldn't get involved with the, the ticket sales. I mean, there's obviously a number of things that, uh, we can do with the bike, uh, if someone wins the bike that it's too big for, he's not actually interested in the bike, or it would be much too, uh, much too expensive, um, to ship it wherever that person is, because right now it's about half the tickets have been sold in Switzerland and the other half has been, um, been sold elsewhere, um, so yeah, but I've I've committed to to ship the bike wherever the the winner sits. Um, I've committed to to uh, deliver it in tip top shape and not just a, a trashed piece of uh, <laughs> uh, of bike shop uh, debris. And uh, and yeah, it obviously has a couple of couple of very very good years ahead of itself. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, I think it sounds like a really well thought out spec.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been riding and racing it for for, for many many adventures and races um, uh, over the last uh, two and a half years. So it's uh, it's still in very good shape, and uh, and yeah, I hope uh, I hope it's an attractive an attractive proposition for someone that wants to buy the tickets because of the bike instead of uh, instead of the calls.
1: And I can definitely speak from its performance, uh, especially from our our latest endeavors. Uh, Pascal and I found ourselves in Finale uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, My first time. Of course, Pascal's been there on numerous occasions, one of which uh, actually he raced. And uh, he got to show me a little bit. Classic trails. Fantastic. Unbelievable. Uh, But We did a little backcountry as well. And this really blew my mind.
0: What was your impressions of that, um, riding a bit of backcountry?
1: Yeah, for I me mean, the backcountry is where it's at. I mean, uh I've done some backcountry riding also in other territories and it's also the same feeling. You're out there um I mean, you're not completely alone, but you're you're not, you know, butt up against the next guy, you're not uh, lined up uh waiting for the trail to clear up. Um you are riding on trails that are either lesser known or just lesser ridden, just because of their, maybe their re- remote location or nature, and uh, therefore the trails are, yeah, sometimes in a in a condition that you are no, not not used to finding in, in places that are so close to 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 cities or to known locations. Let's say in comparison to the classic trails of finale, you know, we are finding soft soil in the backcountry. We are finding a lot of green, uh, green, uh, green, green woods, green pastures. Um, and this is, this is my, more of my type of riding. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a, of a, of a soft soil uh, rider. I know, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like it's a comparison between like a, a, one of these people who only rides when it's sunny and not when it's raining. It's more of just like, I just kind of prefer the the traction feel or the hookup or like even kind of where it where it slides. It's 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 just different. Um, maybe I don't know.
0: Maybe my hands get too tired on the classic trails. Maybe that's it. It's a little more could be, or maybe you just maybe you just forgot to change the tires again. Could be the oh. shorties. Yeah, could be. <laughs> but yeah, no. It was a great, it was a great day. Um, shout out to the guy Dennis and uh, his Land Cruiser. Um, it was a really cool day, and uh, and yeah, I think there was in the end there was a bit of a we had a bit of a hissy fit moment um, <laughs> to, when we rode back to the hotel. What happened, Bryson?
1: I can't remember actually. I was pretty spent. Maybe you have a better recollection.
0: We had uh, <laughs> so we were riding back at the end of the day. It was about six o'clock. Big day of riding and then big day. Coming back, coming back to the hotel, and, uh, and you know, at some stage, Bryson mentioned to us, like, "Yeah, I need I need some food right now. Otherwise, I'm I'm just going to bed." And I'm <clears> like, "Okay, it's probably not the smartest idea if you want to ride tomorrow." I was like, "I don't care. I want to go to bed now." And I was like, "Well, it's six o'clock. Restaurants are all closed. And anyway, so uh, after ten minutes of back and forth, I could convince him that maybe." You know, we just go for a shower, and by the time we had our shower done, then it was time to go have dinner, and then we could go to have have some dinner. And in the end, the disaster could be averted, and we got to ride another day.
1: Thank you, Pascal. I also want to shout out. We saw Chris flying Grizzly Vischer. That was fun to run into him. That was quite a coincidence, actually.
0: Yeah, exactly. You go, you go to, you go to finale. You don't expect to see anyone because you told, haven't told anyone or haven't made any plans to see anyone. First thing you do, you go for lunch and then who you run into a couple of your friends. But oh, yeah. But it's always nice to see them and it's always a good time. Even if it was only a short ride. And, uh, but yeah, shout out to Chris. That
1: brings us to our last topic of the night. Pascal, we haven't talked in a while because you've been away.
0: I have been yeah. away indeed.
1: Yeah, and as you alluded to earlier uh, with the uh, the bike raffle, you are on a, a secluded island, maybe a Jurassic island.
0: Yes, I was indeed. I was uh, in Madeira, um, so two years after I gave myself a 40th birthday present of Trans Madeira, which is a five-day uh, enduro stage race uh, on this little mountain bike paradise in the middle of the ocean. Um, it finally worked out so that the the calendar the calendar was clear enough, and I had enough holiday this year to to actually make it work without impacting the family calendar too much. So yeah, I you know booked myself some tickets to fly over and uh, enjoy a couple of days on the island.
1: So you are uh, so you took your you took your Piga masterpiece and you participated in a five day stage racing event, similar to BC Bike Race, basically, but enduro style. Correct. Yeah. Um, now, you're over 40, so you're in the Masters category. That is correct. And, and, you know, from my opinion, I mean, from the way I've seen you ride and, like, seeing previous results and and just understanding how uh, affluent you are with racing, you know, I would have figured you're at the pointy end. But uh, after... After a few days I checked the standings and actually didn't see your name and I was a little bit surprised or confused actually. Um, but before we get to that I actually maybe what are some of the cool cool things you discovered because you've been to Madeira before.
0: I've um, been to Madeira before. You did
1: uh, the EWS um, was it 100 or EWS? Uh, the 100.
0: Yeah. Yes. And... That was my first my first ever EWS participation. Oh. At the time.
1: And so, yeah, you know, I mean, you've you've gained a little bit of knowledge and experience since you've since you've been since since your first time. Um, you kind of had an idea what to expect, having done stage racing before. And so, what's what's kind of like the uh, the first, let's say, one day, one and two. What were the highlights?
0: Um, I mean, uh, what you have to know um, about Madeira is that they pride themselves that they have usually four seasons in a day. So what that means it's uh, you know beautiful blue sky and sunny nice and warm down on the beach you have like gale force winds in the west you have rain at the very top you have fog you have you know pretty much every every shade of the weather <laughs> in one day um at some stage on the uh, on the island so actually i um i traveled to madeira um, a little bit early so the race was starting on uh, so check-in and shakedown was on Monday. I arrived on Saturday late, you know, collected all my stuff, uh, put together my bike, um, went to the accommodation. And then Sunday I went uh, just for a day of shuttling, a little bit of recon um, with uh, Freeride Madeira. They, they were actually doing uh, still shuttle tours. And I rode some spots that I've, I haven't seen before in the West, actually pretty, pretty nice um and then monday was the first day so there was registration so you get your your race kit so like you know uh number plates timing chips swag bag you do your registration like all your medical stuff and uh and the afternoon there was uh, a group ride organized um so for everyone so they they put out a route uh from the very top of the island So you started around what is it, 1500 meters, and then they put together a route um, where you would sample a little bit of all the different terrain that uh, the island has to offer on this side. So that uh, was still in the east of the island, and uh, so yeah, it was actually a very nice ride. It was a. for that, it was mostly downhill. It was actually still uh, quite a ride. So it was like uh, two and a half hours, and, uh, and yeah, a couple of couple of cool trails, and uh, um, yeah, fog and gale force wind uh, at the top turned into um, drizzly rain, into full on rain by you know an hour in, and then in the end, it was uh, it was uh, nice and sunny, and you would uh, drink a beer at the end at the beach, beach in Mashiko. So that was very nice. And then, uh, the race started, uh, on Tuesday and it started with a bang, uh, of a day. So it was, uh, all told, I think, uh, seven hours in the saddle, uh, seven stages, um, sometimes pretty long, pretty long transfers. But um, again, (laughs) a selection of the weather. So in the morning it was super cold, like only like five, six degrees at the top, windy, rain, fog, the whole deal. The, the, the wind on the first stage was so strong that, um, in, in one section, it, uh, as I was riding on the right-hand side of the trail and it would blow me over to, uh, into the next rut on the trail and then all the way into the bushes. Um, you know, and then with with the bike, I'm like a, a hundred and hundred and ten kilo unit, all kitted up. So so you can imagine what kind of what kind of force that wind had, and also you know just forget about jumping. There was a big uh, tabletop jump on it, and uh, there was marshals there and just uh, waving everyone down. Please don't jump. You're gonna get blown off the table and and stuff like that. So that was uh that was quite something. But um, but yeah, and then. The rest of the stages, um, really some of the highlights of Madeira. I mean, I, I knew some of the trails on day one from the EWS three years ago. Um, so hole in one, for example, uh, which was the queen stage, I believe three years ago, It's a pretty long stage, but eight, eight, nine minutes. Um, that was, um, was in the race from, from the top, um, and then another trail was also from from the race, so it was a very good uh, very good um, collection of trails. And also how they did the format this year, um, I guess they changed it a little bit over the years. It's the sixth edition of the race, um, so you would have one big shuttle uplift in the morning, and then you would ride, you know, four or five stages. You would have a, a lunch feed station, ride another stage, or go directly to the, the shuttle have another, um, shuttle uplift, uh, for the rest of the afternoon and then do the, the, the rest of the stages. And then that brings you all the way back to the finish. And, uh, so yeah, on the first day that was kind of day and everyone kind of underestimated a little bit, the, um, you know, the time it would take for the first four stages and then what kind of was <laughs> a bit of a, an interesting feature was that the, the feed station was at the top of a climb. And uh, by the end, uh, people were, uh, were getting quite, uh, quite hangry. <laughs> so by the time they actually arrived at the feed station, the, um, the people were just like wolfing down food, just <laughs> grabbing everything from the buffet and then uh, getting ready for the next uh, next couple of stages again. All in all, a very cool, very cool day. It was a big day. Um, filthy, filthy, steep climb towards the last stage uh last stage um was also the stage where i crashed out of the race in 2019 i said hello to the rock that actually at the time pierced my uh pierced my knee pads and destroyed my kneecap i got got through it without problems this time (laughs) so that was good redemption (laughs) redemption achieved Uh, and yeah so that was a really really cool day um i had the benefit of staying in the airbnb in uh in machico for the first couple of days because uh uh, the other feature of the race is that you stay in tents and then you travel basically with your tent. And the first couple of days I just stayed in the Airbnb, which was nice because the first night it was raining and windy and, and everyone was complaining about not being able to sleep. And <laughs> I showed up in the morning, like, you know, very, very relaxed and have a good night's sleep. So that was, uh, that was all good.
1: So it sounds like, um, when you enter these kinds of things, you're like uh, shoulder to shoulder, or, or, I guess, tip to tail with uh, with other racers, and they're all, you know, everyone's going relatively same speed. I guess you know by the end of the day, you kind of like sorted yourselves out. Did you have kind of a good crew around you, all helping push and uh, you know keeping the stoke real and everything?
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's obviously one of the the challenging bits with uh, with enduro. But uh, my experience after like maybe two two or three stages uh, the kind of the pace between the different riders starts settling down. And then, then you, you know, you kind of ride with people that are more or less the same speed. So there's not no issues with passing and, and uh, you know, getting in each other's way. And then you have a good time on the, you have a good time on the, uh, on the, on the liaison stages. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, they, what what they did at Transmadeira, they started in reverse order so the first day you started uh, the highest start number which was the M40 category so the dad bots, including myself started at the uh, so at first and then then women then men thirty then open and uh, yeah and then that was it so the fastest fastest guy at, uh, fastest guys in the end so so that basically what they try to do is to to minimize the spread between between the riders, because the problem is if you let the fast guys start first, then the spread between the the fastest and the slowest is, is massive at the end of the day. And that means in terms of logistics, keeping the stages open, having the timing people there, uh, et cetera, uh, that means a huge spread. Whereas if you go the other way around, then naturally almost... Um, the pack of, of racers uh, gets much closer together. Okay. So the, the second day, then the so the first day they did it in reverse order of the, the number plates and the categories, and then the second day they did it in the reverse order of uh, of the of the ranking, of the overall ranking.
1: I see.
0: So day two was in a different
1: zone, or did you move across the island? What happened there?
0: Uh, yes, this is a different zone. So um, first, um, so that's the feature of the race, right? Is that you kind of um, you explore all the corners of the island. Um, so the first two days, um, first day, so first two days are in the east. The first day is around Mashiko. The second day is around Funchal. Um, and uh, yeah, so different drop-off zones in the morning. <clears throat> Again, uh, second day, start in the morning, Wet, cold, windy—the whole, the whole deal. Even a lot more, a lot more rain overnight than, than the day before. So that was a was quite something. Um, I, I was really happy. I brought like my full, full raincoat and not just like a little windbreaker, like a lot of other people, um, because you're just like wet to the bone from from <laughs> from the, from the start in the morning, and that's just a long day. Um, yeah i mean so second day i got to start uh, start the race towards the end of the group rather than at the beginning so i was um, i think after the first day I was like an eighth uh in in man forty so not 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 at the the, the fastest i mean there's leo leo Kukonin, who's the, the the serial winner of transmadeira uh in in the forties category at least um if not also i think in the in the open category at some stage um i mean he was he was quite out of reach i think after the first day he was already 3 minutes ahead of the second place in m40 um but then the rest was pretty pretty close together um the yeah i mean the second day also really cool tracks very different from the the first day um where the first day was a lot more um morning was more like open wide open forest, like there was this, uh, uh natural park at the top. So it's very wide open kind of terrain into the forest, more like, um, more like it's around here Too Sandy towards uh, the beach to very rocky on the other side of the hill. So I mean, it's very diverse in a day. And then you go to the next day and it's all completely different altogether. Um, it was a lot more wet, <laughs> um, on the second day, uh, also a couple of stages that I knew. Um, and then I guess one of the top three trails that I rode in the last, well, 42 years um, was the stage down to Porto da Cruz. Um, I think it was stage four, stage five on the day. Really, really cool. Um, very long. So it was like a 10, 11, 12 minute stage. Beautiful views. If you took the time to to have a look. Um, very rocky at the top into like the eucalyptus trees, banana plantations, and then almost all the way down to the beach. It was a really cool trail. And, uh, that also lunch, lunch spot right at the beach. Always nice. And then shuttle back up to the top. And, uh, again, in the fog, in the rain, <laughs> uh, but then, uh, the next stage I had, um, Bit of a freak accident um, in that that uh, I, um, something that has never happened to me is a first for myself as well. I uh, dislocated my shoulder in the middle of a stage. Uh, just a freak constellation of um, front wheel slipping and tucking a little bit. Me holding against it, pushing into the compression, and then my shoulder, my left shoulder, just popped out on the bike. Um, and then of course from What's going on? I don't know. It hurts. Uh, I let myself fall on the on the trail. And then, of course, natural instinct is just to get back on the bike and try riding again, um, which I found out pretty quickly that didn't work. <laughs> and uh, so I got off, started walking down the trail. And that was also not such a good idea, because it started getting very slippy from, from the rain and steep. And after a couple of minutes, I gave up and just sat on the side of the trail. And uh, the next rider stopped him and said, hey, call the marshals um within a couple of minutes marshals were there um got me out uh and then got a very pleasant cheap ride (laughs) out of the jungle so it was like halfway up halfway up the mountain um in Funchal, and um a one hour cheap ride with a dislocated shoulder over cheap roads uh, which is uh pretty high up on my on my pain scale um and then yeah to the hospital and Got to put it back in, and that was it. Okay. Unfortunately, so it is, out of the race. Is that your first time dislocating your shoulder? Yeah, that was the first time it oh, ever no. happened.
1: Okay, I haven't done that before. Actually, I haven't dislocated anything, but uh, I always hear these stories about people like instantly like lifting their arm and twisting and popping it back in, and just keep giving her.
0: Yeah.
1: But um, I mean, th- these are different folk, I guess you know.
0: I guess so. But uh, yeah um i wouldn't recommend it that's for sure but i guess to to wrap up the injury update uh, the um as far as dislocations go i was uh, pretty lucky so i had just uh, another uh, consultation this morning with a shoulder specialist and it appears that uh, i should be able to get away without surgery um so there's not not too much damage um at all um so in that sense pretty lucky in the grand scheme of things of course i'm bummed to again crash out of a race in madeira so that's the second time two out of two um so the wife uh is not signing off on any races in madeira anymore um the um the, the parts that i was in the race it was absolutely phenomenal um the, the vibe was super cool it's it's much smaller than some of the races that I have done in the past. It's only 130-odd like racers. Of course, all the guys from Free Red Madeira, they're super involved. They're you know, obviously very nice people, um, very cool people to hang out with. They love their island. They love their sport. They're you know so passionate about the trail building and showing off the best of the island, etc. And that was just in everything they did in that week or in those couple of days that I was there. Um, they, it, it came through and, and that is really the cool vibe of Trans Madeira.
1: So it's your second time in Madeira
0: um, unfortunate but what
1: brought you back? Um, you know of course there was a little bit of this redemption thing but you entered a different format not an enduro race per se but a trans um, why did you decide to go back to Madeira for
0: was it the trans itself or uh, yes uh, I wanted to do a trans uh, a trans adventure. Um, I just I like the 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 concept of a stage race um, or of a multi day adventure. Um, it's it's obviously a much more uh, relaxed uh, atmosphere than an at, uh, EWS, which can, depending on where you go and who you hang out with, can be a bit uh, intimidating. But uh, but yeah, it's all a little bit more relaxed. It's uh, you get to ride a lot more, you get to li- to see a lot more, you get to get to hang out with um, you know with, with the people from the island. You have a little bit more time to to hang with um, you know with your fellow racers. Um, so yeah, so that was uh, that was really cool. And of course, again, you know the the, the folks from from Freeride who are organizing this event, and who they have also organized EWS. They're obviously trying to put the best foot forward in terms of, you know, showing the local culture, showing the local food and, and you know, showing the best places and showing the best trails and all that. And so, so that is really cool. That is really that. That's, really what got me there. And I mean, it's the, the third time I was riding in, in Madeira. Uh, I did a day, um, I was there on holiday once and did a day just, just myself. And then, um, and yeah, every single time it was a it was an experience, and the the, the riding is very different than it is uh, around here. I mean, it's just from, from the terrain, uh, and also you know what they call the Madeiran ice is the this this mud. So they have this very, it's kind of a sand clay weird mixture that just when it gets wet or a little bit humid, it's it's literally like ice and there is no science to it it's just you think you you have a feeling that this is going to be grippy and it's not and then you think like oh no this is going to be super slippery and it's actually grippy and you can never tell so it's uh (laughs) it keeps you on your toes that's for sure
1: so maybe another not another race in your future but you would definitely look forward to going back just for riding
0: oh for sure yeah yeah absolutely um the you know I mean the the, the cool thing about Madeira is you know, without making this too much of a um, uh, an advertisement for for visit Madeira Madeira but uh, it's uh, what the cool thing is is that everything is on relatively small space right so the, the island is what is it twenty by fifty kilometers you get from one end to the other in two hours in the car um, and and it's it's so diverse on such a small small area. And then that's, that's what makes it so great. And, uh, and again, you know, um, all the shuttle companies are investing a lot in, in trail building. They, you know, they have their, their own trails that they maintain. Um, they're, you know, are raising funds to build new trails. They're, um, you know, working with the government to to get access to more terrain that they can build more trails, etc. Right. Because the, this this mountain bike economy they they can't grow or or live or exist if they if they don't have uh, actual space for everyone that wants to ride there and you know just as a data point right so i mean first time i was in madeira was 2017 and uh, at the time there was only one or two uh, shuttle companies and uh, when i went there in 2019 there were already four or five and now Again, another couple of years later, now there's uh, I think over ten shuttle companies that are operating on the island, and uh, and everyone is kind of working on the trails, building their own trails, and, uh, and and kind of trying to develop it, develop this mountain bike economy.
1: I myself have also ridden in Madeira, and I can definitely say that magic, that island does have a, some sort of magic. Thanks for the recap, Pascal. It's really interesting story you have on your trials and tribulations of racing almost like the drama that i create when i go on mountain bike rides with you
0: <laughs> oh well you know i know everyone is super stoked to hear about you know middle-aged men racing their brains out um and, and not getting very far with it but uh you know, it's, I think we tried. We tried to recap a little bit what the race is like, and uh, you know, why are we doing these things? I have absolutely no illusion that my speed is not up with the with the fastest guys out out there, but uh, but yeah, it was a great experience despite the the accident. Um, I guess at this stage, I also want to say say thank you again to the guys from um, Trans Madeira, the, the medical crew who, you know, who really looked after me um, very well. I mean, I was down from the mountain, in the hospital, two x-rays done, shoulder back in, within 90 minutes of it happening. You know, they organized a hotel for me so I could uh, actually sleep properly with a dislocated shoulder or formerly dislocated shoulder. They helped me organize my flights. They organized, like, my bike bags and stuff back, so all within a couple of hours. So that was uh, really, really cool, and I'm really thankful for, for all of this. But... Before we let you guys go, we just want to say a few words uh, about our social and where you guys can find more info about the Skits and Giggles podcast and, of course, my little fundraiser, um, A Bike for Ukraine. We're currently most active on our Instagram, where you can skid right into our deems and follow along at Skits and Giggles. And you can find our website with all the relevant links and info under the URL skitsandgiggles.com. Also, if you guys like what we're doing and want to know what's up, just give us a follow on Spotify, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to great podcasts. Finally, if you like what we're doing or an episode in particular, why don't you share it with your writing buddies? It helps us grow our show and reach more cool people like you. With that, we say adios, thank you very much and ta-ta for now.